This is BirdieCast. Welcome back to another episode of BirdieCast. Today we got a very, very special guest, a friend I've known for a long time, and she's playing way, way better than myself, so I'm super excited to have her on. Uh, her name is Aditi, and I'm just going to let her introduce uh, herself, because I think she can do that much better than I. So welcome to the show. Hey, Leslie. Thanks for having me. And yeah, I'm Aditi Ashok from India. This is my eighth year as a professional golfer, seventh year on the LPGA. And yeah, I'm having fun playing golf every day. And that's kind of what I look forward to. Yeah, that's awesome. You just uh, played in LA, right? How was that whole, whole experience playing in the playoff? Yeah, that was pretty cool. I actually have been played, I've played in a lot of leader groups and played in that position, but never on the LPGA in an LPGA event. Um, so yeah, it was a different experience. It was cool to be in that you know, situation. And I think people have goals to win a tournament or to like, you know, have whatever finish at wherever on the points or rankings. But I think small goals, like getting into the leader group, trying to stay in the leader group for the next round, those are small things which you can, you know, focus on, which kind of solve the big picture. So yeah, it was good. I finally got myself in the leader group and I hope I can do that, you know, multiple times in the season. Yeah, that's awesome. That's definitely a big, big thing. So kind of every day throughout the the week was that kind of your small goal in terms of like okay just try to get into that leading group yes and also this season I hadn't started off the tournaments very well I had never had a great first round so I guess after three missed cuts you know I was just trying to get a good first round because pro golf is so competitive I feel like if you're not in the top 10 15 the first day you're kind of it's tough to it's not impossible but it's very tough to like contend from that position so yeah I was just trying to have a good first day get myself in in the top and luckily I had a good first round and kept the momentum for four days yeah that's awesome um, I mean Definitely even on, you know, playing myself on Epson for the last however many years, uh, I can definitely tell from experience, too, that you have to start off right out of the gates. You can't just roll into exactly. very slowly because we're not there to just make the cut, right? Like, that's really not yeah. even cutting it financially, uh, points-wise. You really got to come out the gates strong. Yeah, yeah so that's, that's exactly. pretty cool that you've been able to do that. What do you have coming up this week? Uh, this week I have the Founders Cup in New Jersey, so that's my next event. And yeah, it's start of, it's start it's the start of a swing of events, so I might be playing six seven in a row. Wow, yeah. Do you um so week number what is this one out of uh, the, the so six or this, seven? Oh, this is week number one because I had okay. a week off. But yeah, I think it's week one of seven or one of eight. Okay, cool. Yeah, do you kind of have a different? Um, strategy going into that to kind of preserve energy or even just travel hacks? Um, yeah, sometimes. I think if it's a three-day tournament, then, you know, get that extra day off. And some weeks, if I've played the golf course before, I don't spend as much time playing practice rounds. I think practice rounds are the most time-consuming thing we do during the week. And sometimes it, it can be tiring trying to stay out there for three, four hours or six hours playing a 18-hole practice round. So, yeah, I try to keep the practice rounds as less, just try and work on my swing and my game, just get a feel for the greens and short game area and just, 
yeah, not spend too much time on the golf course. But I think it changes every week because some weeks I feel like I have a lot of energy and some weeks, you know, you don't plan to miss the cut. But sometimes if you miss a cut, that gives you another two days of recovery. So it, although it does seem like seven, eight weeks in a row, sometimes it's not that that tiring. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I found was very difficult for me personally when you got, you know, four to seven weeks in a row is when I feel like I'm on the road and I'm traveling, even when I do have a day off, it's very hard for me to actually feel like I took a day off. D do you ever feel like that or is yeah. it easy to do for you on the road? I mean, yeah, I think even a day off for me, you know, still trying to go to the gym and like eat healthy and sometimes... If it's an off week, I'm not playing I'm not playing a tournament, but I'm still probably practicing and working on my swing. So yeah, I think when you when the season starts, it's kind of like hard to get out of that mindset. You're almost stuck in season for the whole year, and yeah, it's definitely hard to to switch off the mind sometimes. Yeah, what do you like to do off the course to kind of relax? Uh, I watch a lot of movies, so I guess that's like the number one thing I do. But yeah, between just you know gym practice some movies you know there's not much time for much else and I actually I feel like I sleep a lot like I don't know if it's more than average but even tournament rounds and stuff I sleep like nine plus hours you know, I try to get at least nine hours so wow yeah, that's that great time. yeah I'm jealous yeah. I mean I don't always achieve it but I try to do you take any supplements or any um I guess sleep things that you do specifically Uh, no, not really. I just try and make sure I can get into get to bed early so I get the whole nine hours of sleep. And I think early in my career, I didn't think sleep was very important. You know, you don't think of small things like eating or sleeping as things that can add to your sport because that's stuff that every human does. But it can actually make a huge difference in even if you're not an athlete, even if you are, you know, just living daily life. I think sleep and food is really important. It's kind of overlooked in society sometimes. Yeah. Do you follow a specific diet or any, you know, what do you kind of watch in terms of, of what you eat? Well, from my childhood, I've never really had sugary drinks. So like trying to limit the sugar, that's been constant most of my life. But last, I think, five, six years, I've been vegan. Oh, so wow. Yeah. That's like, yeah, that's a diet like that's been hard to manage while traveling. But yeah, I'm I, I like it and I'm, I did it for animal reasons. So yeah, I'm happy. Yeah, that's great. Um, what about kind of, you know, LPGA tour dining? Do you find it difficult to eat there, you know, um, being a vegan? Yeah, sometimes it's hard. I think the thing with travel and the tour is every week you're in a different venue. And just like how the golf course is different, you know, catering might be different, courses might be different. And yeah, I think it's, it's definitely a challenge. Some places you go where, you know, it's they do think about everything, especially the majors and stuff, but some events, you know, probably don't get as many options, but we try and adjust and make do and, you know, we work on it, you know, it's definitely part of, it's, I guess, part of the game, part of the travel. And if, if I don't get anything, I, you know, try to just carry my own food or, you know pack something just so I have something to eat the next day but yeah it is definitely a challenge on tour yeah wow um what are some of the things that you packed in for food uh sometimes I eat a lot of Indian so sometimes I do like an extra rice and curry or something just so I have something for lunch if I'm playing a late round like an afternoon round then I make sure I have something to eat 
not just breakfast in the morning, but I try and eat like two or three hours before. So if I'm playing at one or two, I'll try and have, you know, pack something the day before so I can eat it at like 10 or 11. So yeah, just small things like that. I mean, sometimes the dining is, you know, really nice. Sometimes the chefs are really accommodating and they make stuff so I can just go to the golf course early and eat something. But yeah, it's each week's different. Yeah, for sure. Um, tell, yeah, do you remember, let's kind of take it back a little bit. Do you remember when, the first time that you and I met? I think I, I remember playing a lot of junior events and amateur events where you were, you know, obviously representing Belgium and I'd heard your name and everything. But I think the first time we probably met was at the British Am, I think. You were playing your second round and I was just walking because I had lost the first round and you said, do you want a caddy for me? And I was like, yeah, sure. And I just I pulled your I pulled your trolley, and yeah, that was fun. I don't think I've ever caddied for anyone before, but that was the first time, and it I was. And you're pretty that. chill, so I was like, that's cool. That was. It's like okay, this is fun. Did we win? I forgot. Yeah, you won the match. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> the first time I remember seeing you and your mom actually was at the Avion Masters Juniors Cup. So I was like 13, 14. So you were probably a little bit younger than that. But that's yeah. where I remember the first time because your mom gave me a pin from like the Indian Golf Association. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty yeah. cool. But uh, yeah, that's that's pretty neat. Um, did you play any any other sports growing up? Um, I played basketball in school but I wouldn't say play like I wasn't on the team or anything it was just more recreational just when we had you know you know our sports or games period but that's about it it wasn't really competitive I played I started golf when I was five and a half so really I guess liked it so much you know I focused a lot on that and it's a time-consuming sport so if you know average kid going to school and then playing golf there's really not much time to do I guess another sport although in hindsight I feel like I should have I think it really contributes to the whole athleticism and coordination part which I feel like I could have been better at if maybe I'd played some other sports hmm. what what other sport do you think you would have played uh I don't know I wish I'd played basketball more seriously because I was tall so I think I could have actually been decent if I'd practiced enough and you know more like at um we had a lot of athletic stuff in school, so like running. I didn't really take to it when I was in school, but I feel like I could have done that. It was it, the, the opportunity was there. I just chose not to do it because I was wasn't in school as much. I think I half the time I wasn't in school. I was traveling for tournaments, but yeah, maybe running and basketball would have helped me. Do you run now? Yeah, I hate it, but I do. <laughs> What's your typical regime like? Uh, so actually I don't run a lot. It's just like maybe five to 10, not even 10 K, 10 K is probably when I'm at home and I have time, but like maybe five K a week. So that's not a lot of running, but it's just enough to keep the cardio, just check the cardio box. Do you feel like it helps your game or just overall? Yeah, I think it helps. I, uh, obviously, you know, lung capacity, breathing, that's important, but I think it helps me on like a long day. Because sometimes when you're out there for six, eight hours, you can kind of feel tired at the end of the day, although you don't run in golf, but just walking the course for five hours. And if you've been, let's say it's an afternoon round and you've been up from like 8 a.m., then it's almost, a, you know, you've been up for 12 hours and you can kind of get fatigued. So I feel like maybe the endurance aspect, it can it can help. But yeah, I haven't thought about it too much. I just, you know, do it because it's part of the regime. 
Yeah. So just overall, I guess, preserving energy can help in the long yes. term. Yeah. Well, that makes total yeah. sense. Let's talk a little bit about kind of you growing up in India and how how did you manage school and golf? Like, do they have sports in school? Kind of like how do you have it here in the U.S., like high school teams and whatnot? Or what's the landscape like in India? Mm, not really. I think the, yeah, there's definitely not enough sports in school at the school level most of the kids that do end up playing sports it's an individual effort and even if you do have sports it's mainly you know like cricket and soccer and maybe hockey those are like the popular ones but if you and if you get better at it you don't stay at the school level you kind of leave the school and try and join your state teams or regional teams or national teams so yeah it's definitely not like it is in the U.S. and it's not a it's not a part, it's not really looked at as a career option. Obviously, cricket is the biggest sport in India, and that is definitely looked at as a career option, and there's a lot of money in that sport. But, yeah, most other sports not aren't really looked at like that. I'm hoping that times are changing, and with the Olympics and stuff, people look at golf differently. But I think, yeah, we still have a long way to go compared to, you know, some of the other countries that seem to produce athletes in every sport, you know, every games. Yeah, what about... Um, is it different for girls and boys or are the opportunities the same? Yeah. No, I think uh, like all over the world, I think there is sometimes that, um, I don't know what, what word you want to use it, but but it's just the opportunities for girls in India are just not as much. And even if they are, I think people or parents, you know, want to make sure they're their kids study and education is really important. So sports kind of takes a backseat. But yeah, I think between girls and boys, there's always a disparity, whether it's, you know, if you look at the higher levels with pay gap or, you know, even at like a grassroots level, you know, boys don't really need to be told. They just end up picking up a sport and they end up playing. But maybe it's just not as easy for a girl to do that. And even growing up in our school, we had school teams and you know most of the teams were like boys teams but there wouldn't be enough girls to have like a girls cricket team so if you did want to play cricket you would have to join the boys team so yeah definitely it's not it's i don't know if i can say it can it should be equal or if it will ever be equal but it's definitely not where it should be and i think a lot of effort needs to be made to push girls into sports because i think boys will probably find it anyway but girls need that extra motivation or that environment created where you know they feel comfortable to try sports yeah makes total sense did you try cricket when you were growing up yeah a little bit but not really like serious I barely understand the whole game but yeah I think maybe when I was six or seven just playing with the neighborhood kids I've played a bit but nothing nothing crazy I couldn't say that I play cricket no okay do you do you like follow it at all do you have a favorite team or no you just don't follow it not really no I barely understand the game, the rules and stuff. But although being Indian, I feel like I should. But no, I barely understand all of it. <laughs> all right. Well, let's segue into the Olympics. How how did you qualify? You played the Rio ones, right? Yes, Rio and Tokyo. Rio and Tokyo. So yeah, take us back to that first one. How did you qualify and how was that experience? Yeah, I think the qualifying was the you know, was the hard part because when I did qualify, I that was I had just graduated from high school. So I graduated high school May of 2016 and I, I was at the Olympics in August. So 
yeah, doing that during my last couple of years of high school was definitely tough. And to get, I think when I was 14 years old, that's when I knew golf would be in the Olympics. And then that's when me and my mom, you know, kind of tried to make a plan. And my mom researched all the tournaments, all the professional events I could try and play to get to get world ranking points. And I had finished top 10 in the Indian Open when I was 14. So I already had, my name was on the Rolex rankings. I just had to play more to get points. But I started writing for tournaments for invites. And I wouldn't get invites because I was just a you know, random kid from India. I was maybe not even top 100 in the world amateur rankings. So that's when we figured, you know, you need to be a good amateur too to get these opportunities. That's when I tried to play like British Am, British Girls, European Am, like all these events where I've probably played with you and most of the European girls as well. I played a, a Thailand amateur, just as many events I could get to get to play individually. You know, whether Team India sent a team or not, my parents made that <clears throat> made that extra effort to send me which obviously without which I probably wouldn't have made it to the Olympics, wouldn't be here. So once I became, I think, world number 11 was when I finished my amateur career. So once I was a good amateur, I started getting invites for LET events and then ended up making playing well enough and earning points in those events to qualify for the Olympics. So how and another thing I did was... At that point, when you, when you got to number 11, like how long... Was yeah, I was like 17. Okay. Yes, So pretty 17. much like after a season of dedicating, hey, I'm going to go play in yes. Europe. I'm going to go play all over Asia in these yes. big amateur So events. yes, when I was 14, I figured, you know, the Olympic plan kind of tried, took, I don't know, took shape. And when I was 15, I played a LET access event. 16, I played, you know, all the British girls, I think British Am. When I was 17, I played British girls, British am, British stroke play, uh, European am, which I think that was that is an event for only Europeans, but I was so desperate to play. I think the tournament committee just made an exemption and said, okay, we'll call it an international European am just for you. And I got a, I got a, I won a silver medal there. So, you know, it's just playing all these events ended up making me more, you know, Obviously, it gave me great experience, made me a better golfer, but I could then write to LET events for invites, and I got to play in Dubai, the Omega Dubai. I got to play in China. I got to play, you know, a couple other events. I also um, Monday qualified for an LPGA event that happened in Malaysia. So just to, just to be able to play an event that gets Rolex ranking points. So it was definitely a lot of effort because at the time, I, I couldn't really ask my amateur body in India to do anything because I was looking to play professional events and they only take care of like amateur golf and the professional body in India as well would take care of professionals. So they would say you're an amateur. So we, you know, we can't really help you with invites and stuff. So yeah, it was, it was a lot of effort to get to the Olympics, but yeah, I was just so happy that, you know, I finally made it. I think I was number 58 of the 60 girls there, but yeah, it was still, still good, you know, to get India participation in that olympics yeah that's amazing that definitely sounds like a whole team effort on your your family's part uh so props to mom and dad (laughs) yeah definitely yeah it's it's a team effort i know a lot of people don't see what goes behind it and not just now when you know you turn pro and you achieve and then that's just the end people look at you know the end end of the journey or the end result people don't see the amount of effort 
that goes into it every day and for how many ever years it's just it's and golf is one of those games where sometimes you put in a lot of effort and you don't get what you put into it but you just have to keep doing what you're doing i guess yeah exactly so how was playing in your first olympics was it everything you ever dreamed oh of? yeah yeah definitely especially just being a high school kid and i'd barely played in maybe less than 10 let events up until then and one lpj event so really you could say i didn't have much professional golf experience either but playing with you know some of the best golfers in the world and i think after two days i was actually pretty close to the top i think i was second or third after two rounds so just being in that position you know seeing what it could do for golf in india i think everybody suddenly started following the event obviously had a not a great third round and ended up finishing like t40 or something but still was i think it was a great week and seeing the impact that it had for golf in india something like the olympics could do that i don't think anything else could do that in a country like india because you know we we think the olympics is like the pinnacle of a sporting of sporting achievement so to have golf in there to be there it was a great experience and just being around so many you know great golfers that i had you know i just seen growing up i had never really got to play with them that was pretty cool too yeah that's pretty neat cuz i mean i remember when golf was being discussed of being in the olympics and actually made it through a lot of guys were like well we don't really care about that like we got other yes. events going on but i feel like on the women's yeah. side and especially players from a country where golf isn't as popular that could be a huge huge deal uh like you've experienced yeah. yourself do you find that um i guess the media coverage has changed since then in terms of promoting golf promoting women's golf in india um yes a little bit i can't i can't say it's become you know a big difference it's still not one of the bigger sports in india and then within men's golf women's golf is even smaller so that's always been a thing and i think it helped that golf is in the olympics cuz everything's getting more streamlined whether with the federations or with you know kids wanting to take up golf you know so that they can be at the olympics someday there is growth in some aspects but yeah i think in general in india cricket is the biggest sport so i not just for golf but i feel that all other sports don't get the recognition they deserve you know men or women all that comes later but just knowing about other sports we don't get to see anything it's like if you see the newspapers it's almost like five or six pages of cricket news and then on one page it's all the other sports so that has to change and i think i think it's getting better but it can get you know i think it can always get better than it is yeah let's see let's talk a little bit about i guess your your team like who who who's in your support system what does your team look like yeah so immediate team i guess is my caddy which last few years two three years has been my dad so that's immediate team and then my mom of course she's been like from a manager to like a career planner whatever you want to name it but she's been you know instrumental especially in my junior and amateur days getting me those opportunities that you know i obviously had the talent and i had the drive but a kid can't really figure out what they're supposed to do but she kind of guided me and thinking back you know i i those events were not really events heard of in india because we never sent teams there so for her to do that research and get me there that was obviously i'm very lucky i'm blessed so mom and dad of course and then back home i work i work out you know at my gym so i work with two trainers there so they're always giving me you know workouts even when i'm on the road so that's and another two in uh, india 
or where is home yes. for you now? Home is India. Okay, cool. So you get two trainers yeah. there. Are they, are they both yes. similar or different areas? Uh, no, both similar. They work in the same gym. It's just sometimes, you know, whoever I'm working with, I started off with one trainer and then sometimes there's another trainer who's, you know, working on different things. It's just depending on what I'm trying to do. And sometimes I think it's just good to like have a little bit of a change. You know, if I'm back home for a month or two, sometimes doing the same thing with the same person might be a bit boring. So just switch it up a little bit. So, yeah, but they work together. They're in the same gym and everything. Are they uh, golf specific? Uh, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I think obviously the knowledge of golf, you know, within and fit golf fitness is, you know, maybe not as as common back home as it is over here where you find more, you know, TPI certified or whatever it is, those kind of instructors. But yeah, I think they're still pretty good. They, you know, they read up a lot. They try and, you know, help me. And I think personally, I don't really need to be, I obviously I need to be golf specifically fit, but I'm just trying to be injury free and just be a fit human being in general. So I think that kind of works itself out. You know, you don't really need it to be very golf specific. Trying to get jacked, trying to get big. See those guns. Exactly. Uh, I Yeah, actually, that was the goal this off season. And I managed to like put on like six kilos of weight of muscle. I hope it was muscle. But yeah, <laughs> that was that was the goal the off season. And it was it was actually pretty good. That's huge. Um, do What about like throughout the season? Uh, do you maintain your weight or is there a no, flow? I feel like yeah, I feel like I lose weight sometimes. And especially if I play for like two, three months and then if I'm, you know, not having enough two, three months of like, you know, no fitness during the tournaments, just like regular warm ups. And then you might do one or two days of workout, but compared to five days a week that I do back home in India. Yeah, I feel like I end up losing weight. And I think last year I ended up losing three, three and a half kilos from where I started. So this year, the goal was to you know get that back and try and get a little more so that I can last longer during the season. Yeah, have a little reserve. Yes, exactly. So that's fitness team. And then this off-season, I started working with a coach back home, although I haven't seen seen him since I left India, which was like a month and a half ago. But I guess for those three months, I worked with the coach. So that's another part of the team. But yeah, before that, three or four, four or five years, actually, I didn't really have a coach. Meaning like a swing coach or what kind of yes. coach are you referring swing to? Swing coach, yeah. Okay. What about yeah, um, swing coach. what about growing up? Did you have a swing coach or what did that come Yeah, I with? did. I had um so from five to seven I didn't really it was more like group coaching and summer camps and stuff. But at the age of seven I started individual golf coaching. So that's when I actually started going to lessons every week and you know, learning about the swing and everything. So seven to pretty much seven to maybe 18, 19, I had a coach. Yeah, I had two different coaches. Two different ones. No, no. Seven to 12, I had a coach in India. And then um, 13 to 17, 13 to 18, I had a coach who was Australian, but he was based in Malaysia. Oh, wow. Do you still keep in touch with any of them? Uh, Not really. I mean, sometimes, you know, if I do something good, we message, but no, not really. Yeah. So you just kind of started working with with another coach. Is is that what I'm getting this this past couple yes. months? Just the last, yeah, literally in December of last year, because I looked at, you know, my statistics and everything. And I realized I was ranked last on tour in driving distance, which really? I feel like, 
less. Yes, I was. There PFL. were 163. Yes. No. There were 163, I think, ranked on driving distance stats on LPGA. And I think I was number 163. I think so, you're just being too I'm, honest. I, th- I think. No, it's true. It's, a little bit. it's the truth. And that kind of woke me up a little because most of the stats, I, was in, I wasn't at the top of the stat. And, you know, I never worried about it too much. But then I figured if you're last in something, that's probably not not good. You need to fix that. You know, some statistics, I think the way you play as a golfer, you might not be in the top 50 or top 100. And that's okay because, you know, each person's game is different. But being last on driving kind of got to me. So I tried to where I literally went to the coach with just that aspect, trying to swing it faster whatever ideas we could work on to increase club head speed and swing speed. So that's all we did. For that's about fantastic. Three, four How has it been going? Yeah, I think it's been going good. I feel like I used to hit it, you know, maybe like 225. And then I got COVID in 2021. And I feel like after that, I dropped a little bit because I had a month of no golf. I just had to quarantine at home. So I think I dropped to maybe 210 carry or 205, 210, which is what it's been the last couple of years. So from 210, I think I've gone back up to maybe like 235, 230, 235, which is, I think some sometimes if I'm, you know, really, if I'm fresh and I'm feeling good and I've done enough, you know, speed work, I think I can fly to 40, but I, can, I think I would say 230 is like my average now. So I haven't just gotten back to what I had. I think I've gone a little a little better than what I had to, which is, I think, the way the golf is today, you kind of need to hit it far. It's not, it's not how it was in the olden days where you could just, you know, putt well or chip well and win tournaments. You kind of have to hit it far these days. Well, clearly, um, it's worked out so well. Uh, it's worked out yeah. well for you so far. Uh, what's your so swing far. speed at right now or kind of ball speed? Um, so I'd say on average, it's like 94 swing speed. Mm-hmm. So I think that's like 140 ball speed. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Cool. That's yeah. awesome. Well, I look forward to seeing those numbers up. <laughs> up yeah, me too. Up, exactly. Up, up I think. Go. What have you thing, done? Anything, I always um, use. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Have you done anything specific in the speed training? Any tools that you use? Um, speed sticks a little bit and also just trying to hit it as hard as I can. I feel like growing up, so when I was till the age of 13, actually, I never had a driver. I just used to hit my three wood, maybe not 13 till the age of, I think 12. So that maybe wasn't a great idea because the three wood and driver went the same yardage. My coach said, you know, maybe just hit the three wood, but I think I never really learned how to hit the driver. So I kind of used to swing it like a wood and didn't really go after it, get after it. And so I spent the off season just trying to figure out how, you know, swing it as hard as I can and, you know, try to use, you know, just get comfortable with the fact that, okay, it's not a wood, it's a driver. The head is bigger. There's more room for error, but try to push the envelope with the speed. So I got a couple of times where I could swing it like 98, a hundred. So Obviously, the idea is that you don't do that during the tournament, but just because you can do it in practice, then my average is really like 88, 89. So that has come up to like 94. So that was, that was I guess, swings, uh, speed sticks, just trying to swing it faster and just going to the gym more, just gaining back some weight and muscle, trying to lift heavier if I can. Yeah, that's, that's cool. Um, very valuable 
information there, yeah. just kind of learning that the driver is a different swing rather than like yeah. swinging like your irons or your woods. It's a different exactly. swing, just how chipping is different than putting. Um, exactly. I remember, I remember at one point uh, we were talking about practice. This is years ago, and you told me. Yeah, I spend like three hours a day on chipping and putting, and I got to do it in the morning because it gets too hot by like 10 o'clock. Yeah. And I was just yeah. mind boggled by that. I was like, three hours of chipping and putting? <laughs> yeah. Do you still do that today? Yeah, actually, I just went to the golf course today and I did three hours of chipping and putting. Oh my God. All right. <laughs> yeah, and the range was open, but I just enjoy chipping and putting. I think obviously putting is my strength, but. I probably enjoy practicing short game the most. I could spend all day in, you know, in the bunker and the chipping area. It just isn't boring for me. All right, cool. Well, I had tons of more questions, but we're kind of running out of time here. So who knows? Maybe we'll get you back on the show later on. Uh, but we'd love yeah, to sure. hear your, uh, do you kind of have a challenge for the week for us? Or do we need to come up with something? Oh, yeah. The one thing I thought of was with putting, because that's what, you know, I practice, you know, every week, every yep. day. So with putting, I try and make, uh, I used to, when I was a kid, try and make like 105 footers in a row. But after a while, that got boring because you're just hitting the same putt again and again. But I started doing um, 20 putts in a row from three feet, four feet, five feet, six feet, and seven feet. So obviously, you know, seven footers kind of hard. And you maybe don't start at 20, start at five or 10 or whatever. But it's just to get into that mindset of, trying to make a three-footer or four-footer when it means something. And it's hard to do that in a practice green sometimes. So if you just set, you know, a goal, like trying to make 10 in a row from three feet, four feet, five feet, it's sometimes time-consuming, but I think it works, you know, if you're trying to practice your pressure putting or whatever it is, it just, it's a good drill to keep you on your toes. That's what I do every other, every week I try and do that, you know, every new venue, try and get confidence with the short putts. All right, so we're going to set tees at, what was it, three, four, three feet? Four feet, five, four six, feet, and seven five feet. feet. Yeah. Four, five, four to seven feet, basically. Yeah. You can, yeah, start at three, three or four, whatever. But yeah, just try and do a certain number in a row and try to make the same number in a row all the way up to seven. Sometimes it's hard, but, you know, if you, if you don't make it, at least you've practiced for that much longer, right? All right, cool. So I guess what we're going to do is three, four, five, six, and seven feet. We want to hit 10 balls in a row into the hole I yeah like when I didn't want to talk about that because I felt like that might be tough but like when I do it I try to take not more than uh one chance from each distance so like if I'm if I miss I start again from three feet but then if I miss again then you know I I didn't do the three footer then same for four same for five same for six oh so you only do it twice max and then you just move on yeah is that what you do move on yeah because oh, I think okay. if you hit more than if you hit more than like 10 or 15 putts, of, especially at short distance, you kind of figure it out. So, you know, the idea is to get it the first couple of times when you're doing it, you know, because that's how it is in tournament golf. Every putt is fresh. You don't get another attempt at it. So, yeah, I feel like if I keep holding them, sometimes it feels good. But, you know, you you should challenge yourself trying to read the putt, you know, to read a new putt. Given a choice, I'd like to make, you know, 23 footers that are all different. But you know, sometimes it's not convenient. So, yeah, I don't like to hit the same putt again and again. I try and, you know, keep it keep it fresh. Okay, cool. I think we should kind of wrap it up, kind of summarizing all of that. So, like, 
I'm going to take your voiceover and then I'm actually going to go out and do the drill with your voice over it. Does that kind of make sense? Oh, yeah, sense? sure. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, all right, Aditi, what is our challenge of the week? So my challenge would be a putting drill from three to seven feet, hitting 10 putts from each distance and trying to make 10 in a row. So 10 in a row, but not taking more than maybe 20 or 30 putts from each distance. So maybe just one chance if you miss or two chances if you miss. But yeah, try and make 10 in a row from three to seven feet. Great. So 10 putts from each distance. Nice little completion putting drill. Love it. Well, thanks so much for being on the show. I'm super excited. It has been really great talking to you and uh, good luck in your tournament this week. And I'm sure I'll see you again soon. Yeah, sure. Definitely. It was nice chatting with you and yeah, good luck with everything and hope to see you out there sometime. Yeah. Thank you. Where can people find you online? Um, so I'm on, I guess, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. So at Aditi Golf, that's, you know, my account, but yeah. Perfect. I don't post a lot. I try and post as much as I can, but it's not a lot. But yeah, people can find me. Any sponsors you want to shout out to? Oh, yeah, sure. I think after the Olympics, the Tokyo Olympics, I really got a lot of you know traction in India and a lot of people had heard about me. So yeah, Radisson Hotels America, which is my cap and bag sponsor and Hyundai India. I think they you know, I'm really thankful for both of them because, you know, it's, it's not golf isn't big in India. So to have that support, you know, means a lot, especially playing on the LPGA. Huge. All right. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, good luck Thank this week. You. Have some good sleep and say hi to your, to yeah. your folks. Will do. Thanks, okay. Leslie. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye.